Father, it's a glorious day uh, as we remember what Jesus has done for us. Speak through your word. Uh, speak to our hearts and remind us of the wonderful thing that you have done for us, even when we don't deserve it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 24, verse 1 to 12. Luke chapter 24, verse 1 to 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, Suddenly, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners. Be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself, what had happened? This is the word of the Lord. Brother and sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Good morning and happy Easter to all of you. Well, Easter Sunday is when we make a special effort to focus on the fact that Jesus was not only died on the cross, as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. But he was also raised physically from the dead three days later. The Anglican Church has a wonderful acclamation that is proclaimed beginning with Easter Sunday. The priest says, Hallelujah, Christ is risen. And the people reply, The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Shall we try it this morning? Hallelujah, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Hallelujah. This morning passage tells us that on the first day of the week, at the early dawn, a group of women visited the tomb where Jesus was buried. Why did they visit the tomb? Let's recall what had happened a few days before. Jesus was crucified on a Friday, died in the afternoon, which was close to the beginning of the Sabbath. You see, from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday, it was considered to be the Sabbath and no work could be done. Jesus had died in the afternoon, and his friend did not have enough time to properly prepare him for burial. So they had to hastily wrap his body and put him in the tomb. They had buried Jesus in 
Joseph of Arimathea's family cemetery. Joseph had graciously given up the place where he would have been buried so that Jesus would have an honorable final resting place. Luke chapter 23 verses 50 to 56. Normally, people who had received the death penalty via crucifixion were not permitted to have an honorable burial. It was a common requirement for a deceased body to hang on the cross for a few days after the person had died. This allowed additional time for the birds and wild animals to consume as much of the body as possible while at the same time serve as a great visual reminder of what happens when one goes against Rome. After that, what remained of the body would either be buried in a local graveyard that had been dedicated to criminals or simply thrown into the local landfill to then be completely consumed by the vultures and wild animals. However, with it being the time of Passover, there is a thought that Pilate, out of respect and as a smart PR move, would have had Jesus and the two thieves removed and quickly buried in the local criminal cemetery. Thinking that in a couple of days, the whole angry affair would be forgotten. People would be celebrating Passover, and aside from a few family members, no one would ever care what happened to this man. That is why Joseph of Arimathea's request of Pilate take Pilate somewhat by surprise. He is surprised that a person of Joseph's status would want to take the body of a man who had been condemned for treason and blasphemy and bury him. However, it really doesn't matter to Pilate. And Joseph is, after all, a wealthy and an influential man. And so Pilate agrees to the request. After all, it will even save the Roman state some money and time. The whole ordeal had been quite troublesome for Pilate. No doubt, Pilate simply wanted to be rid of it all and go back to life as normal. In our passage this morning, these women were on their way to the tomb to prepare Jesus' body for a proper burial because they had not been able to do it on the day he died. They wanted to do this as a matter of respect. He was well respected, and this was the right thing to do. They wanted to pay a tribute to him as best they could, and this would have been the only way they could have done that, as there was no formal funeral. With that being said, have you ever thought about the fact that there was never a funeral 
for Jesus. Yes, they took his body and placed it in a tomb, but there was no ceremony. It had all been done in haste to get it done before Sabbath began. These women were headed to the tomb with the spices they had prepared, and they never expected to find the risen Lord. They were going to anoint the body of a dead friend and teacher. And they had been thinking about was what, what, what a terrible Friday had been. As Jesus was beaten and hung on the cross. And then they had to hurriedly take his body to Joseph's tomb without the proper preparation for burial. And we can imagine that the Sabbath was a dreadful and sorrowful day for them. Usually, a day of praise and rejoicing had been turned into a day of mourning and sorrow. And now, on Sunday, the first day of the new week, they wanted to go prepare his body and pay their last respect these men they had followed for over three years. So we find them setting out to anoint his body and prepare it for burial. Even though it had been buried since Friday evening, these women, on their way to the tomb, knew what was going to happen. They were talking about what they were going to do and how they were going to do it. In fact, According to the resurrection story in Mark, they were discussing how they were going to get the stone removed so they could tend to Jesus. Mark chapter 16, verse 3. But when they arrived, they were greeted with unexpected surprise. The Roman guards that were supposed to be there weren't. On top of that, the stone was already rolled away. But more than that, they were taken back by something they could have and would have never thought would happen. Jesus' body was not in the tomb. No one could have predicted that. No doubt. Questions start to come up. What's going on here? Who did this? What's going on? What's going to happen next? Who took the body? Verse 4 says, they were perplexed. Have you ever taken flower to a grave in a cemetery? If you have, you know that when you get to the grave of your loved one, you do not expect to see an empty tomb, do you? But if you did see an empty tomb, what would you think? You might wonder why someone had assumed the casket. You would wonder what in the world anyone would want to do with the body of your loved one. 
would it ever occur to you that your loved one had risen from the dead? Of course not. Understandably, the women were perplexed about this. They did not understand what had happened to the body of Jesus. In fact, Mary Magdalene even went so far as to say, they have taken away my blood, and I do not know where they have laid him. John chapter 20, verse 13. She did not know if the body of Jesus was stolen or just placed in another tomb. At this point, the women simply did not know where the body of Jesus was. The empty tomb intensified their grief. While they were still trying to figure out what was going on, terrified, confused, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Verse 4. The women recognized they were angels shining from being in the presence of the glory of God himself. The women in fear bound their faces to the ground. Verse 5, the Gospel of John tells us that Mary saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. John chapter 20, verse 12. The angels asked them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Verse 5. These women must have thought, What sort of question was that? They have seen him die. They have been part of the crowd that brought him to the tomb. The events of this morning were shaking these women to their very core and they could not explain what was going on. Now, that may seem like a harmless question, but it was, in fact, a rebuke to the women. The angels said to the women that they were mistaken in coming to anoint a lifeless corpse. When they should have known they would he would be alive. It was monstrous mistake to look for a risen Lord Jesus in a tomb. Just in case the women did not understand what was being said to them, the angel said, He is not here, but has reasons. Verse 6. Can you imagine how those women must have felt when they heard those? glorious words. They thought that someone had taken away their Lord and they did not know where they had laid him. But now they were being told, he is not here, but has risen. While they were processing those glorious words, the angels continued to explain. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. 
verses 6 and 7. As the angels finished explaining what had happened to Jesus, Luke said that the women remember his words. Verse 8. Jesus had predicted his death and resurrection on several occasions. For example, just after Peter's confession of Jesus as the Christ of God, Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 22, the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. On another occasion, immediately after Jesus' transfiguration, he said to his disciples in Mark chapter 9, verse 31, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. And when Jesus was leaving Galilee to go to Jerusalem with his disciples, he said to them in Luke chapter 18, verses 31 and 33, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be handed over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked and insulted and spat upon. After they have flogged him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise again. Jesus repeatedly told his disciples that he would be killed, and that after three days he would rise again. But Jesus also often spoke in parables and metaphors, and they properly taught that these prediction about his resurrection after being dead for three days was some kind of parable or metaphor. However, after the angel's instruction, the women remembered his word. Having remembered Jesus' word and now understanding that Jesus was indeed alive, the women returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. That's verses 9 and 10. Notably, the first ones to proclaim that Jesus was alive were the women. In those days, a woman's testimony was not valued, but consistent throughout his entire gospel. Luke showed how highly Jesus valued women and their testimony about him. Astonishingly, the good news about Jesus' resurrection by the women to the eleven and to all the rest seemed to them and either too. And they did not believe them. Verse 11. Like the women initially, 
the other disciples had not expected Jesus to rise from the dead. They also were grieving the death of their beloved master and teacher. We can imagine. These men looked around the room and at each other and began to shake their heads. These women had cracked under the tremendous pressure of the past few days. Surely they were mad, or worse, they were just making up an old wife's tale. They did not believe them. They refused to accept the story as truth. To these men, this story was simply unbelievable. They have seen their mentor and teacher die on Friday. And now on Sunday morning, they saw an empty tomb. This was almost too much for them. This blew their minds. How could this happen? Who would do such a thing? Why would God allow Jesus' body to be stolen? The empty tomb may not have been something they saw coming. After all, until Jesus died, all these men believed that Jesus was going to set up an earthly kingdom. The empty tomb was probably a lot more than they believed that they could bear. And they were simply living in a state of total unbelief as to why Jesus' body was not what Jesus told them and believed. The eleven who spent three and a half years with Jesus did not remember and didn't believe. Peter saw that Raymond would not change their story, so he took off running for the tomb to see for himself. First twelve says, Peter got up and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloth by themselves, and he went home amazed at what had happened. In the Gospel of John, we read that John also ran with Peter to the tomb. John got to the tomb first, but did not go into the tomb. Then Peter came and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then John, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. John chapter 20, verses 6 to 8. And then John makes a very interesting comment that, as yet they did not understand the scripture, that Jesus must rise from the dead. That is John chapter 20, verse 9. It seems that the disciples still did not understand at this point that Jesus must rise from the dead. 
they clearly saw the body was gone because the linen cloth were lying there along with the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head. So they at least understood that the body was gone but did not yet believe that Jesus was alive. It was not until Peter saw Jesus alive later that Sunday evening that he came to understand and believe in the resurrection of Jesus. The women were witnesses for Jesus' resurrection and the people to whom they witnessed should have believed their message. In conclusion, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 19 to 26. If for this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. For sin death came through a human being, Resurrection of the dead has also come true, a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ. But each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed every ruler and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemy under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Just as Christ had to die for your sins, he also had to rise also. If he didn't rise, then he didn't defeat the power of death. If Christ did not rise, you would not rise from death to eternal life. Just as we need Christ's death at the cross, we also need his resurrection so that we too may rise to new life. Without the resurrection, we have no forgiveness, no eternal life, no promise of salvation. And for those of you who mourn the death of loved ones, who have died in the faith, you too, then have no hope that your loved ones are with Christ in paradise. But he is risen. He is reason indeed. We may not have seen it with our eyes, but with the spiritual eyes of faith, through the reading of God's word, you have been taken back to the empty tomb. Although your experience tells you that when you visit the grave of someone who has died, that person stayed there. You know that, that in this case, the tomb, that tomb was really empty, that Christ has risen. And that one day, you too 
will rise to new life because Christ was the first fruits of the resurrection. Meaning that there's more to come. Meaning that you now have hope of eternal life because Christ won your victory over sin, death, and the devil and left those enemies defeated in the grave. Indeed, just because some people today want to try to say that Christ did not rise from the dead, it doesn't change the fact that he has. And just as he lives for you, suffers for you, and dies for you, Jesus also rises from the dead for you. For one day, death will call to you unless the Lord returns first. And one day, because Christ was risen from the dead, you too will rise from life in this sinful fallen world and awaken to a new life, a life free from sin, free from suffering, suffering pain, grief, or loss, a life that will last forever in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And best of all, He is risen for you. The victory over sin, death, and the devil that He won that day has been won for you. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 to 5 says, Do you not know? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So may you all be filled with great joy at the wonderful news that Christ has risen. Not just this Easter, but throughout your life, knowing that because Christ was raised from the dead, we too will rise from the dead and our mourning will turn to joy. Amen. God bless you.